The AP preseason top 25 was released two days ago, Monday, August 15th. The coaches poll, of course, being released a week earlier on August 8th. Michigan was ranked sixth in the coaches poll, eighth in the AP poll. I have them, of course, as you know, at number four in my own poll. Josh Pate has them also at four in his JP poll. So Michigan is being viewed by most, if not nearly everyone, as a consensus top 25, top 10 even team. Some would even say unanimous top 25 or maybe even unanimous top 10 team. Michigan is being viewed with a lot of respect, a lot of optimism heading into the 2022 season, and many view Michigan as really the only main regular season Big Ten challenger to Ohio State. Take out the Big Ten factor, a lot of people think that Notre Dame could also beat Ohio State, but we're mainly talking about Big Ten and specifically Michigan football here in this video. There is one analyst and a fellow content creator, and actually a guy who is, he works with Fox Sports, his name is RJ Young, and he in his preseason top 25 left Michigan out and I watched his I watched his video on Twitter explaining why why that was I'm going to link the the tweet down below in the description from the number 1 ranked show by RJ Young a Michigan fan actually suggested this content to me a close family friend of mine and he said he could barely watch RJ Young in this video talk and list all the reasons I didn't find the video obnoxious at all. I very well and pretty easily listened to it, diagnosed it, and I have my own opinions on it, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about RJ Young's top 25 for a few minutes because it is interesting, it is strange, it is controversial, but my own top 25 is controversial. I mean, having Nebraska at 10 is going to do that for you by itself. So we're going to go through his top 25 talk about it. I'm going to talk about placements that I like, even love. Yes, there are some placements here that I really do love, others that I dislike or really dislike. And then I'm also going to dive into the Michigan aspect of it, why he left Michigan off his top 25, and then list my reasons as to why Michigan shouldn't just be in everyone's top 25, but why they're not going to fall far from what they were last year. And very likely, I say with 99.9% .9 confidence, be a top 10, if not possibly top 5 team for the 2022 season. If you're new to this channel and you're a fan of Michigan football, Michigan State football, Ohio State football, Nebraska football, Wisconsin, Penn State, any Big Ten football, period, amen, make sure to subscribe to this channel, hit that like button. Click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post new content and comment your thoughts on this video down below. So please do that and let's get right into it and first and foremost talk about RJ Young's top 25. Remember how I how I talk about in most of my videos that so the top three is almost unanimous? Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. In my own opinion, that's really the only correct top three that you can have. I think that there might be an argument, there's a possible argument for having a team like a Michigan or a Utah at three, 
potentially, but I really don't see it. I see Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama as either being in that 1-2-3 category, and I just mentioned Utah Michigan might have an argument for three. They don't have an argument for anything higher than three. Number one, number two, and num- those two spots can only be occupied by three teams, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. And that third spot, I really think, can only be occupied by one of those three teams. Well, R.J. Young here has Texas A&M at number three. Texas A&M ahead of Georgia, who's at number four. So three SEC teams in his top four, which I had in my own top 25, I believe, last year. It was something I regretted because, yes, two SEC teams can be that good. You've seen it in 2017. You saw it in... 2000, you saw it in just this past season in 2021, and according to the final polls, the final AP and coaches polls, you saw it in 2019 and 2020, when the winner of the SEC, LSU in 2019, Alabama in 2020, won it all, SEC and national title was undefeated, and then the second best SEC team, Texas A&M in 2020, and Georgia in 2019 were ranked number four in the final polls. So it's very possible, if not likely, that there are two SEC teams of that top four elite caliber. The problem is the third. And it's not even a problem that there is a a third because the SEC is just that full of talent. They're that good at football. It's the fact that it's Texas A&M there. Texas A&M does not yet have the talent, nor do they have the returning production nor do they have the quarterback play or even elite offensive play to compete and beat the Georgias and Alabamas of this world consistently enough to be a top four team. Haynes King, Connor Wiegman, and Max Johnson behind Steve Adazio's O-line and with a defense that lost a lot on in, it, in the trenches. They lost, I think, all starting four of their defensive linemen. And with Jimbo Fisher as their head coach, he is in year five, and they haven't won the SEC yet or been to the playoffs yet. And his national title that he won was back in 2014, not 14, 2013. So Texas A&M, I understand why some might think they're a top 10 team. I actually don't even have them in my top 25 whatsoever, but having them in front of Georgia, a team who has that much more talent, a team that is coached by Kirby Smart, who's won the SEC, who's won a national title, a team that has a better offensive staff, see Todd Monken as Georgia's OC versus Daryl Dickey as Texas A&M's offensive coordinator, and Georgia just Georgia will effortlessly, or not effortlessly, but nearly effortlessly reload on defense every year with the way they recruit. Texas A&M has had one elite recruiting class, the 2022 class. They're all going to be freshmen. It is going to take more than a year for them to cycle through and have that elite impact. So Texas A&M is a team that I think is a bright future. I vehemently disagree with treating them as a playoff contender for this year, though. I love Utah at five by R.J. Young. I like that he is giving Utah the respect that they deserve. Quarterback Cameron Rising, they have a great running back room, great offensive line room, possibly one of the best tight end rooms in the country. Their Their defense is always solid, and they do return a lot of production. Look for Cameron Rising to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation 
in my own opinion. Notre Dame and Michigan State at 6 and 7, placements that I disagree with, but I don't I don't really despise those placements as much as Texas A&M at 3. I feel like Michigan State and Notre Dame in the top 10 are a stretch, but there are some arguments for them being there. Notre Dame, they have good talent. Marcus Freeman, there is a lot of hype around him as a head coach, and it's understandable. Elite recruiter, great coordinator. I'd actually say elite coordinator too. Yes, he's 0-1 so far, looked completely lost in the Fiesta Bowl, but that was against a veteran head coach in Mike Gundy, and your team is going to be discombobulated when you were in the race for a playoff spot potentially, and your head coach uproots himself in his program and leaves to LSU. Michigan State, the only reason I'm not going to say they're definitely not a top 10 team is look what they did last year when everyone thought they were going 4-8. and eight. Mel Tucker definitely has a surprise in the bag. We just have to see if that surprise is going to be 8-4, and 9-3, and 10-2, or 11-1. I like the rest of this top 10. I think Baylor, Arkansas, and Clemson rounding out the top 10 are perfect. Clemson, I think, is nearly a top 10 team, if not a top 15 team, but they have questions at offensive line, wide receiver, and especially at quarterback. I like that he doesn't have USC in his top 10. I feel like they could be a little lower. Houston at 13, they return quarterback Clayton Toon. I think they return the majority of their production everywhere else. Coming off a 12-2 season in which Houston beat Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl and finished ranked. One of their losses came to Texas Tech, who had a winning season. The other came to Cincinnati, who went to the college football playoff and held Alabama's offense back. Very impressive defensive performance by Mike Tressel in Cincinnati and Luke Fickle in that college football playoff matchup versus the runner-ups in the Alabama Crimson Tide. BYU at 15, a lot of people have not ranked BYU this high, and I appreciate R.J. Young for ranking BYU in the top 15. They return Jaron Hall at quarterback, Puka Nakua at wide receiver. They return their entire defense from last year, and that's not an exaggeration, and they return nearly the entirety of their offense from last year. So BYU is a veteran team. Elisa Tuiaki knows what he's doing on defense. Last year was the team—it was his worst— performance as a defensive coordinator last year. The team was very young. They're returning everyone from that unit, so their defense is going to step up. Their offense with that power spread game is, if they find someone good at running back, pairing them with the great QB that Jaron Hall is, and with an underrated wide receiver and tight end room they have, BYU could very well be a top 10 team. And I think they are a top 10 team. I have them very much near my top five actually, at number six. Iowa at 16, a little bit questionable, but I can see it if their defense is as good, if not better, than last year, and Spencer Petras and that offensive line improve. The rest of this top 25 outside of Texas being ranked, I do not have any complaints with. Minnesota and Wisconsin being given adequate respect, yet not placing Wisconsin too high is something that a lot of people have a hard time doing, 
And I think Wisconsin being around this fringe top 25 zone is the perfect place to put them because they are a good team. They're well coached. Jim Leonard is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, and they do have talent on offense, running back and offensive line, see there, but they struggle with QB play. So that's RJ Young's top 25 right there. Let me know what you think of that top 25 in comparison to my own top 25, which I made a video on a few months ago, and I'll link that down below in case you want to compare these two lists and tell me what you think about them and tell me what you agree and disagree with. But Michigan is missing from this list. They're missing, like, completely. They're not even at 25, not at 24, 23. R.J. Young mentioned that if this was a top 26 or something, Michigan would probably be in there. So they're close to his top 25, which means he thinks they're going to be an above-average good team, but they're not going to be a top 25 team. And R.J. Young gave several reasons as to why Michigan could fall, why they're outside of his top 25. And one of them relates to the staff and the preseason issues that Michigan had. Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL, not a good look for recruiting. It's not a good look for culture either. Coaches have done this before. See Dan Mullen at Florida. They think they're going to go to the NFL. They want to get to the next level. And then when they don't, their passion completely dies, they melt, and then when the team loses, their entire program free falls into the bottomless pit. It was a very painful experience for Florida and their fan base last year. I myself couldn't believe my eyes when LSU and South Carolina and all those teams were just dicing and tearing Florida apart. So there are some questions surrounding, and they're valid questions, Michigan's culture. And we won't necessarily know how the entire team has reacted to this until Michigan plays a solid team like Iowa, Kinnick Stadium, or even, though some may not really take this seriously, even just hosting Maryland on the last weekend of September. Maryland with a very underrated squad good on offense, better on defense than I anticipated, and well-coached on offense and defense in a team that I think is going to score on most, if not any, defense that it wants to score. So Michigan being tested, we're going to have to wait to see when they're tested by a solid to good team what their culture looks like, and Harbaugh flirting with the NFL Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald leaving for different jobs, Gaddis seemingly being pushed out to Miami. Those are situations that can certainly damage or erode a team's culture. Absolutely they can. One of R.J. Young's other points is the coordinators that are replacing Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald aren't necessarily proven. He views that O-line coach and co-offensive coordinator Sharon Moore, because of what he did with Michigan's offensive line, they won the Joe Moore Award, they were awesome in every game of the season except for the Georgia game in run block, especially pass block, really, and he views him as proven, Sharon Moore, but he's skeptical about co-offensive coordinator and QB coach Matt Weiss and defensive coordinator Jesse Minter, who's replacing Mike McDonald, who left to take the same job at the Baltimore Ravens. So he's skeptical of the replacements on staff. Of course, the Wolverines lose most of their defense, which is going to be interesting because a point that I'm going to make in why I don't think Michigan will fall is outside of the 2020 year, 
It doesn't matter what Michigan loses or replaces or brings back on defense. Their defenses at worst are good, but still it is an area to look for. It's an area of possible concern. Michigan returns R.J. Moten, I think Rod Moore, and D.J. Turner, and those are secondary players, and those are names of guys who were either starting or were in rotations at secondary. Also, Junior Colson, who started as a true freshman last season at linebacker. All the guys on the defensive line, Christopher Hinton, defensive tackle, also defensive edge edge rushers Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, and Chris, not Chris Jenkins, Donovan Jeter, pardon me, at defensive tackle. All four of the defensive linemen are gone, so trench play, front seven play, even secondary play with the loss of Daxton Hill, who R.J. Young praised as the best safety in the nation, excluding Kyle Hamilton, which is a pretty high compliment. We're going to see what Michigan's defense is made of rather quickly the minute they get rid of UConn, Colorado State, and Hawaii. Also, R.J. Young mentioned that Hassan Haskins is going to be missed. Haskins was more of the power back, whereas Blake Corum was more of the speedy, shifty back. And this has been mentioned by others. Um, I think that Steve Dace on Michigan Podcast has brought this up. Mark Rogers, when him and Steve Dace do the 10-minute war on Michigan Podcast, has brought this up too. Hassan Haskins is being treated by some, not all, as just being easily replaceable. And that's not necessarily true. Michigan is probably going to have some have a tougher time on those third and one, third and two situations, at least initially, when they're trying to find a guy to fill in Haskins' role, fill in that power back position. Michigan did it in 2019, you know, with Ben Mason, their fullbacks. Jim Harbaugh loves the the concept of power football. They steered away from it in 2019 and 2020 when Josh Gaddis brought, you know, brought in that spread offense. 2021, they didn't have any official fullback, but Hassan Haskins, you gave the ball to him and he would fall forward an extra yard or two, pick up that first down. So he will be missed, but he also gave some skepticism to Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and RJ Young wants to see how they do before he believes in them. And Michigan's soft schedule, RJ Young mentioned that and talked about how he thinks that he's not going to really be able to accurately judge Michigan in those first three or even four games until they play at Iowa in Kinnick Stadium. And that right there, I think there, it is a good point. And there is a valid argument for saying that you shouldn't rank teams until they play a few games and get into their conference schedules, because you really never know. You don't. Half the time, the preseason rankings are an educated guess. And while the guess is educated, it is still a guess. But I'm pretty certain that Michigan isn't going to fall off. Now, I don't know if they're going to be the same team as their 2021 team. I'm actually very doubtful of that. But does that mean that they're going to slip from a top four, really top three team that they were last year, all the way down to outside of the top 10, or even outside of the top 25, just because they lost to Son Haskins and the majority of their awesome defense? I don't think so. And it starts with Michigan's 2021 culture, and I think that's carried over. We won't know officially until the games are played, but it seems like, in my opinion, it seems like it's carried over. Jim Harbaugh, excited, 
active at media days and not just at media days, but at other at other press conferences in practice. He is I think he reinvented himself after that 2020 year. I talked about that a little bit previewing the 2021 year. And I think that's continued to carry over. I think the culture of the 2021 unit has carried over. I think Cade McNamara, Eric All, guys like that are going to help facilitate that 2021 culture. I'm not going to say it's going to be perfect or without blemishes, but I get a sense that Michigan is still, they still have momentum from 2021. And even with Harbaugh interviewing for the Vikings job and both of his main coordinators and Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald leaving, I still sense that there's optimism and momentum surrounding Michigan football this season. And the new coordinators, to refute the claim that they aren't proven, are they are very proven. Matt Weiss just he just oversaw as QB coach Michigan's best performance at the quarterback position in the Jim Harbaugh era. I would argue maybe you could say 2018 Shea Patterson or 2015 Jake Rudock was better, but I I haven't remembered a time, the amount of times that whether it was J.J. McCarthy or even Kate McNamara, that Michigan took shots downfield, they executed them well, and they passed well and were able to pass well in critical situations. See the Penn State game. See the Wisconsin game, even see the Ohio State game, where Cade McNamara, on average, per pass attempt, threw for more yards per pass attempt than C.J. Stroud did. See that. And Michigan, I know they didn't take a ton of shots downfield. They weren't always aggressive in their pass game, but they were more aggressive and better executed in their pass game, in a large part because of better QB play, than they had ever been in the Jim Harbaugh era. And Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore helped and collaborated with Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh on calling plays last year. So both of them do have some play calling experience. Sharon Moore coaching an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award, retaining three offensive linemen who started last year in Ryan Hayes offensive tackle, Zach Zinter offensive guard, and... The other guy's name escapes me, pardon me, but still three offensive linemen returning from last year, bringing in Alu Aluatimi from Virginia to help out at center. He was a finalist for the Remington Trophy, given to the nation's best center, and probably would have won it if Tyler Linderbaum did not exist. He was one of the best players, and some could argue even the best player in the nation last year, but he was an offensive lineman. The other guard is Trevor Keegan. Just wanted to make sure that I got that out there, because I do remember that the name just slipped me originally. Returning 8 out of 11 on offense is great, too. Tight end Eric All, wide receiver Ronnie Bell, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, Andrell Anthony, running backs Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, and quarterbacks Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, and never forget former walk-on and awesome tight end Luke Schoonmaker, and Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan, offensive guards, Ryan Hayes, offensive tackle. Michigan returns a lot on offense, and this offense, I'm telling you, they're going to be much better than last year. The, where the defense regresses, this offense will make up for it in their explosiveness, their execution, 
I, as a Michigan fan and just a college football fan, am excited to see this offense because it's not going to be like Ohio State or Alabama, where it's pass-centric and pass-heavy. Michigan couldn't. Even if they tried to do that, they wouldn't be nearly as effective as Ohio State or Alabama in those areas. But what they can do is they can switch to a run game and do something that some would even argue Ohio State or Alabama couldn't do, which is pound the football over and over and over again and get the results that Michigan might do by doing that in 2022. So Michigan, in their run game, at their offensive line, in the trenches, they're going to be elite in that regard this year. The questions will again, seemingly like they always have been, under Jim Harbaugh in regards to the offense will be the quarterbacks, wide receivers. Is the passing game going to hit a new level? And that will, I think that will help determine how Michigan does in 2022. I think the passing game will improve. I even think the run game will improve. Will they be at Ohio State or Alabama's level? No, because Michigan doesn't have that star talent. They don't have the coordinators to execute that offense, but they're going to be a top 10 offense nationally. That I am very confident in. And they do, despite not having that top tier blue chip talent at every position, they have vast swaths of talent everywhere. They're the second or third, depending on what you view Penn State. They're they're really tied with Penn State for being the second most talented Big Ten team, besides obviously Ohio State. Michigan and Penn State have been able to use their talent to, in the past against Ohio State, compensate for inferior coaching and keep themselves in close games with the Buckeyes. In Michigan this season, returning 8 out of 11 on offense, all of those guys have been developed well, they're talented. Michigan with talent, not just on offense, but On defense, too, five-star cornerback Will Johnson will probably see some playing time as a freshman. DJ Turner, who played and was born in Georgia, played high school football there, I do believe. And linebacker Junior Colson, who was a freshman All-American last year. Michigan has talent everywhere. And one thing about Jim Harbaugh, too, exclude the 2020 year which was a disaster, it was the COVID year, and Harbaugh is always consistent on defense. Had top 10 or near top 10 defenses in 2015, 2016, and 2021. Had top 25 defenses in 2018, 2019. Had, I think, a top 15 or close to top 10 defense in 2017 as well. So Harbaugh always consistent on defense in his tenure here at Michigan. And that is this video. I don't think Michigan will fall off in the sense of, you know, taking a free fall from number three or number four and being in that playoff spot to fringe top 25. I don't think Michigan will reach the playoffs this year. I think they're going to go 11 and one, eight and one in conference, that one loss coming to the Buckeyes on the final game of the regular season, the game. I have Michigan ranked at number four in my own top 25 poll, and I think they are a great team. They're going to be a great team. They could even push for a near elite position, but they have enough questions and they don't have the consistent five-star talent and the consistent elite coaches to where I think that Michigan this year is going to have another playoff run, though that is very possible. But I have Michigan inside my top 10, 
and I think that most people, there are much more reasons to have Michigan inside a top 10 and treat them like a great or near elite team than not. Thank you for watching again. If you like this video, smash that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this video and your thoughts on Michigan football for 2022 down below. And if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. Thank you all for watching, and I'll see you guys around. Bye.